Hello and welcome to Case Reopen, the number one Detective Conan Rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Crease, and joining me as always for the fourth Detective Conan movie, Captured in Her Eyes. What if it was captured in Colleen's eyes? Colleen, hello. Hello. I am blinking because we're talking about something about her eyes, so I'm like doing that dainty little blink that nobody can see. So there you go. <laughs> great that that'll play so well on this audio podcast <laughs> and another master of audio is our guest for today spencer the man the myth our movie connoisseur Yay. excited to have you back spencer all right thank you tyler thank you colleen hey everybody welcome back to the show and in that i am just winking at both of them even though that this is an audio only podcast i don't know why nor that we are doing so so much with ipods right now yeah, so this is captured in her eyes. It originally aired April 22nd, 2000. And boy, this is quite the movie. And it starts off with a flashback at Tropical Land, which is, of course, the theme park that uh, Shinichi and Ron go to at the very first episode of the series. And we've seen a couple other parks. There's like Baker Park. There's a wide variety here. But we see uh, Tropical Land in it. Seems to have gotten much fancier than the first time we saw it. Like, it, the production value has gone through the roof. Like, this is a top-tier uh, theme park. And we see Ron looking through a pair of coin-op binoculars, and she's looking at dinosaurs. Is this like Jurassic Park? They never go deeper into this. What do you think, Colleen? Did they, like, bring dinosaurs into the theme park world? What happened here? Oh, that would be so cool. Yeah, I'm thinking it's sort of like what Universal has. They have like a dedicated ride with dinosaurs and whatnot. So, but you're totally right. Like Tropical Land now has different like sections of the theme park and they're all like have a different theme within themselves. It's very cool. It's cool to see um, the rest of the park like this. Yeah. Spencer, do you have a theory to these dinosaurs? Are they just animatronics? I mean, that they might either be just animatronics and then that. I think that they are trying to say that Tropical Land might be an allegory to Disney World or, or else just as Colleen said, Universal Studios. So so I guess then that from the first time that we did see it, see it, see it then that I guess then that their budget did go up. Yeah, for real. Like there's all these different uh, sections, just different islands. There's a giant volcano that we get to explore later. I was a little disappointed that it was just water rather than lava but i also understand why you wouldn't have lava for the theme park but uh you know we're in an anime let's let's don't live a little dangerous dying on you i guess not so uh ron calls for shinichi to look i guess at the dinosaurs um but he's not there he then returns with a can of cola which they, it's not coca-cola it's like coca-cola is it chocolate <laughs> cola is that what it is and he puts it on her face, so the coldness is right up against her skin. He then looks at his watch, and he grabs Ron's hand, and they run to the center of a plaza, calling where your was your heart a flutter at this romantic handholding. Yeah, this whole opening sequence was super cute. I love just watching them like each other. Oh, so adorable. She wonders why they're there, but he says she'll see. They're in, actually inside of a water fountain, and Shinichi says it shoots up every two hours. 
It's my present for you winning this karate tournament, he says as she blushes. They then see a rainbow in the sky, and Shinichi proposes a toast with their cans of cola, which then explodes in their face because they were running and shaking it all. So I thought that was pretty funny. And uh, they laugh as the fountain descends. So this was a a beautiful little opening calling. Yeah, right before they go on that roller coaster and there's a murder. <laughs> yeah, I I do. So so was that from that date? I guess I so, think because so. Because of the karate tournament. I okay. think so too. This honestly. This just looks like nothing like the park that we saw that first right. time. Even the roller coaster <laughs> segments look so different than what we saw. But uh yeah, I guess that makes sense. But uh, you know, we get the movie production values, which is very nice. You can definitely tell. It's kind of shocking going from what the anime looks like lately, and then you go to this, and it's like, this is the same thing? How? You know? Right. Looks so much better. Well, a few years have passed. Right, right. And then especially then at that opening scene, just like of just the roller coaster, then it's just like, wow, that they got, that that that, that was some very good cinematography on the animator's part. Yeah, yeah, it does open with that, like, first-person roller coaster view too which was cool um so we get the title card and an introduction to the series for anybody checking it out for the first time i do want to give a special shout out to the wikipedia page for this because i basically took they had like a a shockingly in-depth summary of this story of this movie so i took that and kind of uh fleshed it out a bit for my notes so i i I had a basis to go off for my notes which is so nice um compared to normally which made getting through the daunting task of you know like a hour 40 minute movie much much easier for uh, such detailed notes so shout out to all the people that have worked on the wikipedia page um and the movie continues with conan using a phone booth and he's using his bow tie to talk to ron as shinichi ron suggests going to tropical land again and conan kind of blows her off because he sees the detective boys walk by and he's like oh a case popped up see ya <laughs> and ron just yells stupid cases i think uh in the convert like during the conversation she was also reminiscing about that time at the fountain, he's like, oh, she remembers that. It was, it's just like such a juxtaposition from, you know, he's doing something semi-romantic or whatever. Like he's celebrating her win, uh, her championship win. And now he's just like, oh, what a horrible memory that was. Yeah, then I can kind of see that. You know, it's just basically that the way that I thought about that scene is just basically it was that juxtaposition of just like that. He was just feeling that 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 dilemma to where then he couldn't go with her since that it was so close to that anniversary. We get our riddle of the movie, but it's not from uh, Professor Agasa for once, which is very disappointing. I know. Mm -hmm. The detective boys say that they've come up with a riddle that will fool Conan once and for all. Conan then appears and they do the quiz. When we asked Highbearer what kind of person she thought you were, she said, He's someone who looks at the moon when it's not summer. They ask him if Highbearer complimented him or insulted him. Cunning quickly says he's figured it out. That was an insult as the summer months are 6, 7, and 8, which is Rakuna, or bad person in Japanese. So, uh, your boy solved it, Colleen. 
Yeah, that was quick. I mean, were any of us surprised that that was the answer? No, I wasn't. What, that it, that it was an insult? I thought that maybe it was an she, insult. <laughs> I thought maybe she would compliment your boy just to make you jealous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't sound like High Bear, though. They're disappointed that he figured it out so easily, and the kids are about to cross the street as it begins flashing green before they're stopped by an older man named Osamu Narasara. He says that a flashing green light is the same as a red stop light. I guess instead of like a yellow, they have like a flashing. I guess this would just be like when the, you know, you, you see a, a street light and it's like the walk sign turns into numbers. So I guess like the flashing is that. Mm-hmm. But uh, he says it's the same as a red stop light and they should wait until the next one. He then goes inside a phone booth and Kenan asks the kids what his job is. Ayumi guesses a teacher. Mitsuhiko thinks he's a businessman. And Genta, food always on his mind, guesses a cook. Kenan says it's actually a police officer, as when they take notes, they turn their memo pads sideways. So, uh, there's your lesson of the day, Colleen. You now know how cops, you now know how cops take notes. Yeah, so now I can recognize a cop and a banker, because bankers count their money a special way, as we've learned before on this show. So, yeah, I, I'm half well, not halfway. I can't even say halfway, but I am slowly learning about how to recognize professions by little habits people have. The kids then cross the street and kind of turns around to see a mysterious man with an umbrella shoot Osamu with a silenced pistol. The man runs and Conan attempts to give chase, but he's unable to catch him due to traffic. When Conan asks Osamu if he knows who shot him, the man grabs for his notebook and succumbs to his injuries. So we have our first death here, uh, Spencer. What do you think of this sudden kill to start the episode? That this sudden kill was just, it just brought chills down my spine just, you know, watching it. And that you just see just like a guy, you know, just that the mysterious figure just basically just go up and then just, just kind of like kills, kills that, you know, uh, Osamu up in the phone booth, just like point blank in, in just broad daylight. It just goes shows that the cockiness and then that the balls that, you know, that this mysterious killer has. Yeah, especially since we know he's a policeman. So, you know, they just killed a cop, you know, real sudden there. Uh, the police bring the kids back for questioning and they ask the kids to describe the murderer. But they all give different descriptions to his age, what color his umbrella is. It's all over the place. Only Conan gives reliable testimony and says that they fired the gun with the left hand, which means they're left-handed. Kogar brings up the notebook, and Chiba says the gun was a 9mm pistol. What do you think uh, Chiba looks like, Colleen? Is it, he's kind of, he's almost the Chiba we know? He's like almost there? Yeah, he's definitely closer to what uh, he looks like in the show. I was super happy to see him. I didn't, like, I didn't remember that he was in this movie at all, so it was quite a treat when he walked in later that night a woman in the parking garage finds a dead detective named yochiro uh, shiba who is holding his police notebook in his right hand so we have a running theme here dead cops are showing up spencer and they all have their memo pad out mm-hmm. yeah and then i just kind of find it just kind of just like interesting without giving too much away way that you know that that it just seems like then it, then that they are then that they are trying to leave a dying message message for just for just investigators 
to figure out. And then that I do find it, you know, that this does, you know, that back to the Chiba comment, comment that is basically that this Chiba is kind of like the one that we are used to up in like that the later episodes rather than that fake Chiba we that we were introduced to. <laughs> the next day, Megari blows off a call from Kegaro saying that he's busy. And Kegaro says <laughs> the inspector has been acting strange lately. Megari then tells Shiratori that all information between the two of them is uh, private. We then see the head police chief Toshiro Odagiri looking at a lighter, and it says T. Geno on it. It's mysterious, Colleen. Very. Um, yeah, I was intrigued. I, I'm. I was pretty invested. Like you know, we're getting into like the serial murder kind of thing going on. So yeah, definitely. Um, kind of wanted to find out what was going on here. Later at the Sun Plaza Hotel, Kogoro and his family show up because Sheratori's sister is having an engagement party. Who knew Sheratori had a sister? Spencer, did you know? No, didn't know. Sonico is with them, and she says the groom is an artist, although Kogoro, who is quite the buzzkill, he's like, an unsuccessful artist. <laughs> oh, Kogoro, you can always count on him. Also, like, why is Sonico there? Did they explain, like, that she knew somebody, or... <laughs> I think she just shows up to social events <laughs> to look for a man, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's a possibility. I mean, she is a Suzuki, so she'll just, you know, she, she'll invite herself to any party. As Kogoro signs in, Eri appears and she insults his messy handwriting. And Sonica is impressed by how pretty Eri's writing is. And they check their luggage. When Kogoro sees Megari again, Eri says that you can always tell when you're near a cop is they always have a bland stare and a tiresome look on their face. We see Sato flirting with Takagi. Did you notice, Colleen? They were kind of, they were kind of being playful here. She's like, "Ooh, this is. Are you saying this dress looks bad on me?" He's like, oh, "No, no, I would never say that, Sato." <laughs> I'm sorry, Takagi doesn't sound like that. <laughs> he does. He's doing that voice. That's all I heard. Oh, oh wow wow um, just the like disrespect. how mitsuhiko sounds like the way that you make him sound <laughs> this is uh this movie is not takagi's shining moment he's pretty terrible in the whole thing <laughs> that's why all the more reason he needs to be protected right <laughs> <laughs> but they were flirting pretty obviously here Colleen. They were. I was very happy to see that progress because obviously Takagi was, you know, over the moon that Sato was paying any sort of attention to him. I don't think Sato realized it. Like, I really feel like she's the type that she'll flirt with Takagi, but to her, it's not flirting. She'll just be like, hey, did you like my dress? Do you think I look good or whatever? But um, I don't know if at this point she has those feelings for him yet. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, The bride and the groom come out. And Karen spots a mysterious figure that leaves in disgust. Shiratori then talks to Kogoro and introduces them to their medis- uh, their medical examiner in the case, Kyosuke Kazato. Shiratori says it would be good for Kogoro to get a checkup. And Kogoro remarks that his memory has been pretty bad lately before realizing <laughs> the joke. And uh, Conan laughs a little too hard. So he gets punched in the head for his trouble. I love how even when they're at, like, 
like a get together with a bunch of police, and they should be like keeping up appearances. Kegger is still gonna punch Conan in the head. It's the running gag. You have to have it every time. Mm-hmm. Kegger then talks to Megary and tries to get information, but gets blown off. He then grabs Takagi by the neck and he asks for info. And Conan is easily <laughs> Conan comes into this. And he basically blackmails Takagi using his crush on Sato against him. She's he's like, "Hey, if you don't want to, if you don't want her to know, you should, you know, tell us what you know." And so Takagi spills the beans on this confidential information to Kagero, just because of his crush, Colleen. How can you defend this guy? How could I not defend him? <laughs> he's being bullied by a seven-year-old. <laughs> That's all the more pathetic. <laughs> so Takagi's just the sweetest bean. He needs help. I mean, that Takagi is just a good boy. We just gotta just think about it that way. He's just a good boy. Takagi tells Kegro and Conan that the second victim held his notebook during his dying moments, something that wasn't mentioned to the media. Shiratori then appears, and he tells Kegro that's all the info he will be getting, as the rest he need not to know, which is said in English, which is, they think they're so cool, these cops here, they're like, need not to know. <laughs> and then they like translate it, that means blah blah blah, and <laughs> they say it in Japanese. Yeah, Kenan thinks of the words and fears the killer may be associated with the police force or an entire department, because that's what cops say when you need not to know. Meanwhile, Sonico and Ron are talking to the bride and groom. It turns out that the groom didn't propose to her, as he's quite shy. Sonico and Ron then ask Eerie how Kogoro proposed. And oh, she's like, gonna be good. he used some stupid line. I've already forgotten. But the bride demands to know, and she finally says it while blushing. I love you so much, more than anyone else on the planet. Ron then looks into the air, thinking of Shinichi, and Sonika correctly mocks her for it. She's like, oh, I wish Shinichi would say this to me. I bet you were thinking that. And Ron can't even deny it. She knows she's got God. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't I don't even think that line's even that bad. Because like, Aerie's all shy, and she's like, oh, it's so cheesy. And then I'm, I was like, that kind of sounds like a normal type of, you know, proposal. I mean, I... It's pretty it cheesy. It is cheesy and cliche, but at the same time, it is a classic line. I mean, that even though that might, even though that the version that I was watching, it has said more than anyone else on, on the earth. And I was like, okay, I can buy that. Toshiro Odegiri's son, Toshiya, then appears, and you can immediately tell he's a bad boy because he's got wild hair. What do you think about him, Colleen? Were you another bad boy? Oh, yeah, I thought he looked great. <laughs> I mean, he's either a bad boy or a Yu-Gi-Oh character. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's wearing his shades indoors. He's carrying yeah. around. I'm pretty sure he's carrying around a guitar case. So <laughs> he's just ready to jam out or whatever. <laughs> and he was smoking, so you know he's cool. That's right. That right. is the, uh, the thing that qualifies him as being cool because he's a smoker. Yeah, the police chief demands that he leaves, and he says, your kind of people aren't welcome here. And that's when uh, he's like, what? 
you mean rock and roll? <laughs> and then uh, it's they do that Twisted Sister music video <laughs> where the uh, the dads tell them to stop the rock music, but they rock out anyhow. Respect to Toshia just trying to rock. We learn that he's a rock band singer, and he tells his father to shut up as he has a gig at the hotel. After a tense exchange with his father, he storms off, and we see a beautiful woman that Coker is like, she looks familiar, and she <laughs> she decides to leave as well. I was like, I'm sure Kogoro. Yeah, when Kogoro says any woman looks familiar, you gotta raise an eyebrow. Exactly. Yeah. Later at the party, Meguri talks to Sato, and she says that she declines and not to worry about it. Do you think uh, Sato is making more romantic uh, moves at Meguri? On like, Meguri? Uh, Takagi was fearing before? Well, Sato did semi say that she had a crush on Meguri at one point. I don't think she meant it that way, obviously. But, uh, you know, out of context, that definitely what it looked like she was doing she then leaves to the bathroom and we see a criminal's outline ron is also in the bathroom and sato says the party is a bit strange with all the police around ron then asks sato to be careful with so many police getting attacked and immediately shit hits the fan as uh we see the criminal uh remote detonate a bomb which cuts off power to the floor and Ron then just looks under the sink, which rem- just conveniently has a flashlight there, turned on already. <laughs> she's, she's reunited like, with her flashlight. Oh, God. Yeah, for the first time in many episodes, she does what she does best, holding a flashlight. But with this... Which, uh, oh, sorry, go on. This time it doesn't end up as well. Yeah, but I was just going to just say that would it just basically be not canon because that the movies are technically not canon? So she is not truly reunited with her flashlight. Nah, she's reunited. Come on. Let's not... Plus, I'm pretty sure that was like an anime original. I don't know if it was an anime original or not. But either way. Either way, I'm count- I, I, I don't feel like the movies are non-canon when it comes to the anime. I don't feel like there's any giant, like, logic holes. Like, if we're gonna keep, like, anime originals as canon... And, as I mentioned before, they start doing episodes that tie directly into movies in the anime. So, it's like, I don't really get how the argument holds up that the movies don't have canon within the anime. Right, right. Right, and and I 100% do agree with that statement because I always believe that the movies are always canon. It's just another case, but the stakes are just higher. It kind of becomes, like, later on in the series, it's just another, like, special, but Conan's going to do some wacky shit on his skateboard. (laughs) Like, because it's like every episode he just has this over-the-top sequence on his skateboard. And we kind of get one here later on, but uh, yeah, this, this kind of starts no exception, the trend. Right? Yeah, so she has that flashlight, and uh, the killer uses the light to shoot Sato. Uh, no, sorry. The killer uses the light. The killer sees the light, and he goes to shoot Ron. However, Sato shields her and is shot multiple times as a result. Light from the flashlight shines on the culprit's face as it gets knocked out of her hand. And Sato is shown unconscious, 
and Ron faints when she sees her bloody hands, blaming herself for what happened. Kegura and Takagi run into the bathroom after hearing Ron scream, and an ambulance is called. Kone then finds the gun, which is yet another 9mm pistol, and wonders why a flashlight is there. So, uh, this is quite the bloody uh, scene here. Sato gets shot multiple times, Colleen. Ron faints. She has her bloody hands. What do you think about this This sequence here? This was so intense. Like, bodies flying around, water splashing everywhere. Um, Yeah, as soon as I saw that that flashlight was on, I knew something was going to go down, because that just, you know, is is just an odd thing to find. So, yeah, it, uh, I mean, it was just uh, a real eye-opener. You're just like, oh my gosh, what did I just watch? And is, oh my gosh, is Sato okay? I don't think she is. She seemed to be in pretty yes, bad shape. Yes, thank goodness. Yeah, and she had got she shot did. pretty bad. I mean, it took her out of commission for the rest of the movie. Spencer, what did you think about this action oh, sequence? It was just uh, We're like, still pretty early into the film. Yeah, yeah, the, it, it, yeah the, it was very intense that, you know, that just basically then that Sato getting shot, Ron is screaming, and then that the killer is just basically leaving just behind his uh, weapon at the scene of the crime just shows that even more how bold that this, uh, you know, that the culprit was. And then that, you know, that the intensity was cranked up to 11 on this. The police close all the exits to the hotel and Sato is transported to the hospital. Odegiri wants everybody investigated, including his own son. And Cohen wonders who the man that left earlier is. And who the woman was from earlier. Sheratori tells Megari this has something to do with the other case. And Kegura demands to be told as it involves his daughter now. Sonico then runs out and tells Kegura to come here as Ron woke up. But she's acting very strangely. Conan asks Ron if she's okay. But she goes, who are you? She has amnesia calling. Too bad Conan didn't go like... I'm Conan Edagawa, detective. (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't remember anybody's name, not even her own parents. Kazato then arrives to take a look at Ron, and she has lost all, um, and she, while she still has all of her cognitive ability, Kazato says she does have amnesia that caused short-term memory loss. And since she saw Sato getting shot, it was a very intense moment that made it all the more severe. He's unsure if Ron will ever regain her memory, but she is able to function normally, although she should be hospitalized for now. Did you have any uh, suspects here yet, Colleen, of who could be the killer? Um, yeah, I went... Uh, I had a bit of, like, a fluctuation between the suspects. Like, I went from thinking that it was one person, and then, then I didn't think any of them made sense, and then... Finally, we got the reveal. So at this point, I was kind of leaning towards uh, the woman. She seemed to be uh, the most suspicious for me. Like, I mean, they all had like a level of suspicion, but um, she barely the- showed up. She just she was there for like two seconds, Colleen. I think you're just showing that your your hatred toward women again, where you just assume every That's woman's it, a killer. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely it, Tyler. Um, but like to be fair, we only we only saw that one guy that ran away from the wedding for a few seconds as well. Like Toshi is probably the one we've seen the most, the rock star. But for some reason, I don't 
I didn't want to believe it was him simply because like again with the red herring like okay he's the bad boy and his father is suspicious of him so if his own father thinks you know there's something up here then we should too so it just seemed like too obvious to go down that route so I was like okay well let's see I'm gonna sort of like put my attention on the woman and see what she's up to but as the movie progressed obviously like my uh my suspicions decreased but at this point as I was watching it was her Now, Spencer, you said this was one of your favorite films, right. so uh, maybe you remembered who did it, but uh, what, what were you thinking at this My point? My half-photographic memory actually remembered the face of who done it, but I would say if I was a new, not a if, if that I was a new, Liz, I mean a, a new viewer, sorry, <clears throat> if that I was a new viewer, viewer, I would just probably would have said that it was the guy that had basically like showed up and then he just like, I don't like this wedding and just ran out because that I had, because I had obviously knew that the, that the police director's son was just a major red herring that the woman did seem, seem suspicious, but that she wasn't given any red flags at this point. So I was able to actually, I kind of stumbled upon the correct killer rather early, just from a process of elimination. Obviously, the woman's not going to do anything, because, you know, women don't kill clients. Because women are then, pure, they don't kill. <laughs> the son seemed, yeah, the son seemed, like, too obvious to where, like, they were pushing him really hard, and I was like, well, it can't be him then, because it's like, if they point towards somebody constantly, it's almost never him. So, like, I eliminated him from uh, any thoughts. And then we we also had that suspicious guy, you know, that showed up once. But uh, we see him a couple more times throughout. And he's uh, he's just very sloppy and getting seen everywhere. So I was like, that can't be him. <laughs> it's true. And then there was something that just kind of stood out here. Like, because uh, we see it a couple times. I didn't notice it yet. I think it's the next time mm-hmm. um, that he talks to Ron. But... When he goes like, "Oh, uh, you know what? You should be hospitalized now." There's something about uh, Kazada where every single wait, did, did I have the yeah, name right? you had it right. Okay, there's something about Kazada where all of his like uh, when he would look at her, he, he would always recommend that she comes back to him. It was like she was keeping her purposefully close, like constantly, and mm-hmm. that was highly suspicious to me. Um, but I, I didn't notice it quite just yet, but, uh, I kind of settled on him being the, uh, the killer, especially since he was a member of like the police force that I know doesn't ever return. And I remember like the police chief guy appearing in some other future films. So like, it's just him like, uh, being a police guy that doesn't show back up. I was like, well, it's gotta be him. Because why else okay, would so he appear? so that makes total sense. And so from your notes, you called him, like, the medical examiner. Um, had I known that, uh, that might have put him, like, on the sus- suspects list a lot sooner for me. But the the thing was, at least in the version I was watching, Shiratori introduced... And maybe he did, and I didn't 
catch the medical examiner part, but Shiratori introduced him as his family doctor. And then, you know, they say he's a psychiatrist. So I'm just like, okay, so this is Shiratori's psychiatrist. And like he, um, he, because Shiratori was like, oh, you know, there's, it's a, quite a burden being a police officer and it's tough at times. So blah, blah, blah. We talked to this guy. But I guess I either missed the part or I just had a different translation because I didn't immediately know that there was any connection between him and the police force the way that you're describing it but uh, that makes a lot of sense tyler yeah yeah were you watching the like official funimation uh like dvd release is that what you were watching no i didn't bother (laughs) should i have oh no i just saw some people complaining about like that version as they kept saying like sate was dead despite her like supposed being in a like a coma or something but, uh, oh, or was that the dub that did that? I don't know. It was one of those okay. two. But, but um, yeah, no, I didn't. I should, like, I have the DVD, but I didn't bother pulling it out. I'm surprised <laughs> we found different, uh, different subs. Yeah. Yeah, because usually we end up you know, watching the same one miraculously. So we then get an update on Sata as they said that they removed all the bullets from her body, but she still might not live. Kicker demands to be told everything that is known. Chiba says that they inspected the flashlight for fingerprints and only Ron's were on it. Eri guesses that her father, uh, sorry, that her daughter feels responsible for Sato getting shot. And we see Sonaku crying next to her bedside. And she says, even if you don't regain your memory, I'll always be your friend. Sonico has some good moments Mm -hmm. here. There's a lot of, like, heart-to-heart moments with Sonico in this film. Sonico is super loyal. She's a great friend. Like, as, you know, ditzy and vain as she comes across, like, I I think she's a great friend. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. Meguri then decides to tell Kogoro everything and says that if he gets fired for doing so, he'll just become a private eye. Takagi is told to watch after Sato and Chiba to watch Ron. Turns out that last summer, a gifted surgeon named Tamatsu Jino died in his apartment. Inspector Kaibu Tomoneri did the investigation alongside Officer Narasawa, Officer Shiba, and Miss Sato, who also worked on the case. All people who have gotten shot. How shocking. Yeah, Yeah, it was... It was so amazing that he targeted all of these people. Turns out that Jenna was heavily drunk and appeared to have committed suicide with a knife. The first witness was Tamaki, the woman at the party earlier, who is his sister and lived nearby. Kekura says that she visited his office once, but he was drunk at the time and doesn't remember what they talked about. What a pro. Right. 10 out of 10, detective. Conan then says before Jino died, he was accused of malpractice. Megary confirms that and says that was why it was ruled a suicide. Her sister had said that her brother was a selfish, horrible doctor who tried to get away with anything that he could, but he would never commit suicide, so she doubted that. It made made him sound like such a great character. Like, we really got behind him there. Oh, yeah, big fans. Uh, A week after the death... Officer Tomoneri observes suspicious activity by a man with purple hair, some weird Yu-Gi-Oh character. So <laughs> Tomoneri brought Shiba, Narasawa, and Sato with him to investigate. And during the investigation, during a hot day, 
Tominari suffers a hot heart attack. Despite it, he's like, oh, don't worry, just continue the stakeout, guys. And then he, he's like, I'll catch a cab. <laughs> <laughs> so he walks out to the street, and Sato's like, I better follow him. And she just finds him lying on the street, and, like, not in a good place. So she drives him to the hospital, but he winds up dying on the operating table. So, uh, he didn't make it, Colleen. But the decision to call a cab was not a good one. Right. I mean, had they called an ambulance, maybe this would have ended differently. True. True that. The remaining two see the targets, noticing that one of them is Chief Toshiro Odegari's son, Toshiya. Because of that, the case was abruptly concluded as a suicide after Jeno's sister said Toshiya couldn't have a connection to her brother's murder. Tominari did have a son, though, named Makoto. He was the mysterious guy at the party. So we find out these two people's uh, identities here, and they both have connections to the overall story, making them all the more suspicious. At his father's funeral, Makoto yelled at the officers for not calling an ambulance and blamed them for his father's death. Afterward, Narasawa took time off, and Sato transferred to Meguri's team. Harashiratori realized something odd, which was that Sato was continuing to investigate the case with Shiba and Narasawa in their free time, although Sato wasn't aware of the information about Toshiya. So I like that we did get some... free time? I know. I did like that we got some, like, uh, background on Sato, which was cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the backstory was particularly good in this one. Like, it wasn't overly complicated where you sometimes get, like, there's this thing that happened 30 years ago, and now we're back. And although I like those two, like, don't get me wrong, but, um, yeah, this was just sort of simple. Okay, you've got these cops that worked on a case back in the day, and now they're all being targeted. Like, it wasn't overly, um, like, complicated or anything. So, yeah, it was good. Takagi was assigned to look into Makoto, while Shiratori was assigned to look into Tashiya. Since Meguri thought Sato was in danger, he tried to get her a guard, but she refused. That's the conversation at the party. Darn, Kegura's, we were wrong. Kegura says the murderer is Tashiya, and that he realized Narasawa was investigating, so he killed him first. However, Meguri says they have no evidence against him, and that their real concern is the whereabouts of Makoto, since he was spotted in the area where Narasawa died. So that was like... Uh, my first red flag that it actually wasn't Makoto because I felt like the killer is not going to be that sloppy to where he'll be, you know, spotted. I was like, he's going to blend in, be inconspicuous. So I was like, there's no way. No right, way. right. Especially all, of the fact of just how, like, clean and calculated that this culprit was that, especially like that this messy guy, Makoto, is just stumbling about and such. And then it's just like, eh, you can't be it. Mm-hmm. It's all the more hilarious when we, you know, hear from Makoto later on in the movie, and he's just like, "Yeah, I wasn't supposed to be any in any of these places, but I just wound it up there." Conan brings up that the killer is left-handed, and Cheritori remembers that Makoto is also left-handed. They vow to find him, and Cheritori rushes off. Conan asks how Jenna's neck was cut, and Megri says it was cut diagonally. From the top of the right side of his neck. Kenneth says that's where a left-handed person would cut as well. 
And there he says that so the suspect wouldn't get covered in blood. And so she takes out her little <laughs> uh, fountain pen and she demonstrates on Kogoro. Of course she does. Uh, this couple. <sighs> Best couple. Couple goals. Meguri says there's no connection to Jeno and Makoto and that there might be another left-handed killer. Kona <laughs> mentions Tashiya is also left-handed and Ari says so is his father, Chief Odagiri. Kagura is shocked that Odagiri would be considered, but even Meguri doesn't deny that. The next day, Professor Gasa and the Detective Boys and Hybera show up, and they introduce themselves to Ron. Gasa brings up Shinichi, which seems to ring a bell to Ron, but then she says that she can't remember him. A mysterious figure is seen in the courtyard, and Hybera says someone is watching them. Ron is brought back into the hospital room, and Conan runs after a mysterious figure that was outside the door. He explains to Kogoro that Ron might have seen the murderer, and is now a target. Meguri tells Eri and both Chiba and Takagi will be her guard, giving her the most B-team security detail possible. Like, they couldn't give her, like, I guess Sate is out of commission here. But imagine you give, like, don't worry, your daughter will be safe, we've got Takagi and this chiba guy who's never done anything i mean it's better than kobayashi and i don't even remember the other police yeah. officer's name I mean, Kobe, at least he's not strung right. out i mean that b team is better than no team i mean that oh man it's just it's something about takagi is just it just he just seems like that he is just wanting to be so good at his job and stuff. But I'm pretty sure that we, that we will get into it later that I'm pretty sure. I just want to know that his mental state right now at, at this point, because then that he has to do his best now since that his partner and or crush is basically out of commission for a while. Yeah, yeah we see probably... that that affects him a lot later, like. It stops him from doing his job because he's so um, right. he's like so um, mentally Inept. incapacitated. Whoa. Inept. Whoa. No, <laughs> I wouldn't say. I would never Just say that shop. about Tatagi. <laughs> A nurse then tells Eri that Doctor Kazade wants to speak with her. He says there's no damage to Ron's brain and that her memory loss is emotional rather than physical. Kegger wants to take her back to the hotel to see if it reminds her of anything. But Eri doesn't want her to relieve a traumatic experience. Kazada says forcing her to remember things might cause additional stress. And then he gets a phone call. However, nobody is there. I also love how he's like, yeah, maybe you don't want her to remember. I mean, I'm not suspicious, but maybe we should let her just uh, not figure it out. Yeah, I was not picking up on any of these clues. That's why later on I'm just like, oh, it's actually him. Yeah, that he was being like not the type of psychiatrist I would want at this point. And I'm just like, you know, just casting out my my prior knowledge out. I'm just like, dude, really? Kazada <laughs> says Ron seems to recall things better in a relaxed environment. And Ari says she'll start living with Kogoro at the office again in order to look after Ron. And Kegra says, are you joking? Then I won't be comfortable <laughs> at all. And Aerie just snaps back. She says, it doesn't matter how you feel. And uh, Quite the entertaining. Yes, Aerie. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> this is about your daughter. Like, give up for a little, give up a little bit here, Kogro. Right. 
Later that day, Ron is discharged, and Kazada is like, hey, if she starts to make any progress at all, please get in touch and tell me immediately. That was when I, this was like the moment where I was like, oh, this is the guy. When he was like this, discharging her. Because he he's like so. that thick. To me, yeah. It just seemed like the most suspicious person where he's like, you know, if she starts to make any progress, call me immediately. <laughs> Ari opens the door for Ron and is holding an umbrella in her hand, which causes Ron to freak out and get upset. Kegger says it might be due to the rain puddle, reminding her of the puddle of blood around Sato. And then Takagi's just like staring there. He's like, he's having his own traumatic flashback. And he's like, uh, can you back up the car a little bit? <laughs> and so they get her inside. And Kegger shows the house to Ron. We get a nice little tour of the uh, Mori office here, which we don't really get that often. So that was kind of nice as a viewer to get this tour around the house. And uh, she finds a picture of her and Shinichi, who Kogoro calls nothing but a nuisance, and puts the frame face down. He does not want <laughs> her daughter getting any ideas here. Yeah, I, th- I think this would be like a great opportunity for Kogoro to just get rid of that photo altogether. <laughs> He's like, you don't know any boy named Shinichi Kudo. Nope. Ron is surprised to find out that she does karate, and they decide to get something good for dinner to celebrate Ron's return. And Ari's like, you know what? Maybe I'll cook. And uh, both Kogoro and Conan freak out. She's like, Conan, why, why are you acting like this? And uh, they get scared at the prospect of eating Ari's food. And Ron finds their bickering funny and starts to laugh, which puts everybody in a, bitter mo- a better mood. Late at night, Conan finds Ron sitting uh, uptight, deep in thought, and then he just lets her be. What do you think? What do you think about this amnesia storyline, Colleen? Um, it's kind of like cheesy in a way, but I, I thought it worked well for the story. And uh, you know, having it, it be focused on Ron's relationship and having to protect Ron, I thought was a just a nice central like ground for the uh, movie to cover. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, sure, it's been done before. Amnesia stories, like they're one of the tropiest things you can find i am a sucker for a good amnesia story though and totally agree with you i love that because of it uh it was like all the characters could revolve around protecting ron and it kind of gave a purpose to even the detective boys doing it like if this was just a random person that they were protecting like it would kind of seem a little bit like okay the detective boys you know they want to do their part but they seem that like genuinely worried about her so it made sense for them even to be a part of this entire thing so uh i think it worked well like um most of the movies often put ron in a position where she has to be protected or she's in some sort of danger uh so this just made it gave it like a little bit more legitimacy than maybe other situations where you know you're just like ron why can't you just you know use your badass karate moves and get out of this on your own or type of thing but like there's kind of like an equal give and take most of the time and then in this one it's just like okay Ron is in a very vulnerable position so I yeah I just thought it worked um particularly well the next morning the detective boys tell Ron that they'll be her bodyguards for the day 
they dub themselves the Ron Protectors. And they've brought gear, they do a little pose. Genta has a water gun, Mitsuhiko has a boomerang, and Ayumi has some toy handcuffs. Ron says the kids are very brave, and they decide to get food. And this is when we get our big high-barrow moment of the episode. She says that maybe Conan's better off with Ron forgetting her memories, as he won't have to hide his identity. Highbearer says, If I lost my memory, I wouldn't have to know about my sister's horrible death or being forced to make poison. If I could be like everyone and really be elementary student Highbearer I, I would be happy and spend the rest of my life with you. And only you. And uh, even just hearing this reread, Colleen's um, just getting so angry here. <laughs> uh, I am rolling my eyes. Yep, that's it. I was just like, okay, hi, Bear, make it all about you. However, she's just kidding, and she teases the serious-looking Ken, and, uh, you know, Spencer, you're a, a man of taste, and I assume a high Bear respecter. I respect Hi-Bear uh, would you th- a lot. Because that she is, that this was just like, I'm like, oh, you're such a tease as such an older woman would do, would do. But honestly, that you know, that it is showing her kind of opening up a bit, bit, you know, to basically, you know, that we kind of get some insight on that. She, she tries to come off as cold and just collective, but then that she is hurting deeply. And then as just a, a, a fan of Hybera, it's just like, man, man, that, you know, that she, that she, that she really does want to just really just disappear and then just forget all of the bad stuff. So, uh, so that I kind of love this scene a bit here. You know, you make a good point that she's hurting and I feel like that's another, you know, uh, thing in my comparison between Hybera and Colleen. You know, Hybera is suffering with the loss of her sister and the traumatic element of, you know, being forced to work for this shady black organization. And Colleen's dealing with the trauma of being Canadian. You know, wow. so like there's so much in common. There. I thought you were going to say the loss of my freedom and having to be a part of this podcast. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Sonica then arrives and she asks if Hybera is Conan's girlfriend and. Colleen paused the movie and she said, No, she's not Sonico. Do not go over her boyfriend. Oh my god, these voice impressions. 10 out of 10. And then, I know, I sound just like her. And kind of goes, Here comes another annoying person to himself. And then, no matter how Sonico shows Ron pictures, and Ron states that she's nostalgic when she sees uh, Shinichi's photo. The detective boys criticize Shinichi for being insensitive and not returning to visit Ron during this time. Conan gets visibly upset and angry about the situation, and even Sonico wonders how he doesn't make time to visit her. Later that night, we see Makoto around the area, and then Chiba is just snacking, eating like all his food. He's a guy like Onigiri. And then Makoto spots him, and he's like, Oh, I'm running away cartoonishly. So nobody sees me. <laughs> it's like, he's so bad. He could never be the criminal. Like that, that. It was just so stupid of him. Just like holding up the collar. Just so tropian. And I'm like, he, Chiba probably saw you through the rearview mirror, dude. Give it up. You're not being sneaky. 
He's like the Takagi of suspects. Wow. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> he really is. Just totally inept. I agree. Yep. The same night, Ron asks Conan about Shinichi and what he's like. And she says, I'd love to meet him someday. Wow, I guess I'm bad news. You won't meet him for a while. Although, actually, she'll be seeing him soon. We do have the uh, Desperate Revival coming up. Ooh, yes. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. The following day, Ron, Arian, and Kenan are waiting at the subway station to go shopping when suddenly the culprit pushes Ron on off onto the rails despite Takagi just standing there. He's supposed to be watching out for her. Okay. And this... you, you didn't explain what was going on with Takagi unless you do it in the next few sentences. Okay, so what happened with Takagi? <laughs> like, some woman, like, pushes on him and he's like, Sato... And then he, like, holds on to her, and the woman's like, oh, I'm fine, I'm sorry for uh, causing you trouble, weirdo. And uh, then she walks off, and then he's like, where's Ron at? Uh-oh. <laughs> it's, like, cartoonish how bad he is at being a cop. Okay, well, I guess that's the best I'm going to get from you. <laughs> well, like, well, do you want to explain it? <laughs> that's basically what happened. The woman was, like, pushed into yeah. him, like, some jerk like with his bag. Hit, her, hit her with his bag yeah and then the woman was like oh what's going on and takagi catches her and that's when you know he has a an episode and he's worried about sato and um that's sort of where his mind was at so mm-hmm. um i i think it's you know it it's too bad that he was kind of not present to protect ron and do his job but he's also very much um <laughs> he's uh, i don't know i i can only say worried he's like also in pain i suppose i don't know how to explain it like he's obviously not as much pain as sato but uh, but he is a yeah. but he I, is a victim too in this because that yeah. it is affecting all of them even that up in scenes earlier whenever we saw like and in, in, in inspector Megary that he was just so just not his normal self. And even just whenever then that Sato was being drifted into the ambulance, a- a- ambulance, then he got into the same one as Sato. So, so then that, so then that it is basically Sato is a very important member to them. So that I think that his state of uh, shock is somewhat justified here. You know, you make a good point, Spencer. He is a victim. A victim of his own incompetence. Now, the real victim here is Ron, who's going to die here. Thankfully, Conan jumps down onto the track, and then he uh, leaps out of the way just in time. Barely, almost got squashed by this train. And uh, so she's taken back to the hospital. Kogura rushes there to see his daughter, and Eerie says that Kazade gave her sleeping medicine and that she's okay, she just has some bruises and scratches on her. And Kazada says, Oh, it sure is bad. Uh, she might be afraid to regain her memory. Oh, shucks. <laughs> and then Kago, uh yells at Takagi. He's like, what the hell? You're supposed to protect my daughter. And you're being completely incompetent. What's wrong with you, dude? And Takagi's like, I'm sorry. But I'm luckily, sorry. Conan's there. Conan saved the day. Mm-hmm. Aerie wasn't looking either, so just pointing that out. Right. Magri says this confirms that the that Ron saw the killer's face. 
He says we must protect Ron no matter what. And Conan vows to attack as well. Conan wonders how the culprit fired a gun without getting gunpowder on himself. And then remembers an umbrella being stored at the party that was moved by the time Conan saw it later. He also believes Ron's reaction to coming home wasn't to the puddle, but to the umbrella. Conan goes to the hotel and he asks about the umbrella. And the person at the desk was like... Oh, I had a hole in it, so I threw it away. <laughs> Just kidding, here it is. It's like, I'm sorry, I, I didn't think that this sequence was necessary at all. Right, that that wasn't funny no. at all. It was just like, really, lady? <laughs> she gives him the umbrella, which allows him to discover a breakthrough in the case. Kenny then heads to a concert that Toshia is playing at. He notices Jeno's sister, Tamaki, is there as well. And that's when he realizes that Tamaki was at the party because she was following Toshia. Rockstar then stops the set abruptly and he yells, You! Why do you keep following me around? That's actually a good voice. And she goes, What do you mean actually a good voice? All my voices are good and accurate. (laughs) What do you you mean? I mean that they are good. I mean that they crack me up all the time. But that you did not get mistaken for Cynthia at your job one time. Jesus Christ. Oh. Cynthia. Okay. So I have to answer the phone at my job. And I got mis... I had said like... Okay. I said it like this. Well, yes. Hello. My name is Spencer Young. Welcome to Bank. Please be aware that our... Please be aware that this call may be monitored and recorded for quality assurance purposes that the that the guy I was speaking to said like, why yes, Miss Cynthia, uh, I'm here calling about this account. And I'm like, I just went with it the entire time. Did not correct the guy or oh, nothing. Oh, you did. He just called me Cynthia. And I'm like, okay. And then that, and then that this has happened more than once on occasion. See, we were wrong. We went, uh, it says Spencer, we were calling you. Steven. Uh, oh, Steven. Steven. It should have been was Cynthia. Cynthia all along. Yeah, we yeah, screwed up. Yeah, y'all totally did. Do you even work with a Cynthia? Do you work with a Cynthia? Yes, I work with Cynthia. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, because I would, like, it would have been so much funnier. Well, I mean, it's funny enough, but, like, if you didn't even have a coworker named Cynthia. I mean, that, I, I, mean, so, that, like, I actually don't. <laughs> <laughs> so like the guy's oh. like oh yeah i'm calling back I, uh, like cynthia was so helpful the last yeah, time that and he had actually did like, that no cynthia that here. actually happened no lie that he had called me back and then he was like yeah that <laughs> cynthia was so helpful and then i just played it off and like yeah she was <laughs> okay you got the phone that time <laughs> uh so tamaki uh, she's like hey does it bother you and then she's like I know you killed those cops. I'm going to find evidence it was you. And then she leaves. It's just the lame. Like, not, not, neither of these people were cool enough to kill anybody, let alone two cops. So it was like, these can't be suspects. Right. I mean, even though that the rocker dude did have eyebrows that, 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 that were basically on fleek and such, but no, but no. They, they were godly. Yeah. Conan walks outside with her and he asks what she's going to do. And she's like, who the hell are you? And he's like, I'm a <laughs> detective. And Tamaki says she hates her brother and she's only doing this to find out the truth about the murder. 
They then head to Chief Odagiri's house, and they find him practicing his swordmanship and slicing bamboo. Tells Tamaki that he has to give her something, as he found a lighter that says T. Geno in his so, son's room. Just want to point out, like this is practically the equivalent of smoking, on the coolness scale. So either you're a smoker or you're able to slice bamboo with a sword. Yes. Yeah. Both are very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, then I would like to kind of point out that up in that, so far up in this movie, movie, no one has really got on like Conan's case about like, why is a little kid, kid, kid just around, around this uh, murder scene up in that the office scene that we're in that Megary and then Shiratori were basically breaking down the information that they knew. Like nobody questioned why Conan was there this entire time. Because Shiratori hey, wasn't around most of the time. Yeah, he's just in the gifted arts of crime solving 101. And so after confronting his son about it, he said that Jeno had been dealing drugs and that he had been t- he had taken the lighter from his house. However, none of this information was in the police report, so he told Officer Narasawa to reinvestigate the case. After Narasawa was murdered, he assigned Megari to the case. Odegiri says that he's motivated to find the truth and has no other motive. And Conan asked to see the police report, but he says he can't do that, as it's our job as investigators to find the truth behind this. So, uh, he's ready to lock up his son. He's not trying to protect him, Colleen, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, it's sort of too bad in a way that this doesn't really go anywhere. Like, I guess I wouldn't mind if they revisited a case in the the series where it's just like the father, uh, you know, going after the son type of thing. But like this this dynamic is just a little bit a tad wasted in this uh, in this story because it doesn't go anywhere. But um, I guess it just adds for more drama and for more reason why we're supposed to be suspicious of Toshia. Meanwhile, Sonico and Ron are talking at the hospital with Chiba nearby. Ron asks what Conan is really like as he saved her life. Sonico says that despite being a young child, he's very brilliant and sort of a mystery to us all. Well, I think he's just a pain in the butt. So true, Sonico. She's the best character. <laughs> Sonico is. Better than Heiji for you? Oh yeah. Oh. See, you know, at the, you know in the oh, numero no, okay. You know at the beginning when they're like explaining like who knows Conan's secret and Heiji popped up, I was just like, Wait, is Heiji in this movie? Like why did they I don't know, it just seemed like you would introduce characters who are gonna be in the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. So I was like, Oh, that's too bad. So unnecessary. Um Ron then notices a television broadcast at Tropical Land, and she's like, oh, I know that place. Kazato says that Ron's memory is improving, and Kogoro suggests going to Tropical Land to try to regain her memory. And uh, Kazato's like, "Uh, can you give me the the time and place you (laughs) plan on going? (laughs) And Ron decides to go there tomorrow, but Eri warns against it and says that the murderer might attack. And Kazato's like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Come on. Oh, wait, he does, he does actually, he says, he says, uh, oh, sorry, one second. Uh, Ron says, I admit, I admit that I'm scared to remember things about the murder, but I can't leave things as they are now. I have to take the first step to move forward. And Kazada's like, you know what? 
Ron's brave. She'll do fine at Tropical Land. Please go. It'll be great for her. Please go at noon. Yeah, please go at noon. And uh, if you do make any schedule changes, please... Here's my phone number. Please call me. (laughs) Kogoro vows to protect his daughter at Tropical Land, and Sonico says she'll go too. However, Ron asks them not to tell Conan about this, as she's sure he would want to come, but she doesn't want to put him in any additional danger. But it's fine to put all the other people in danger. Yeah, but Conan's already done his due diligence. What do you think about this scene, uh, Spencer? I felt that this scene was very great outside of like that, you know, you know, Kazato's creepiness in a sense that I think that Ron's uh, basically memory improving and in that she kind of shows that she kind of has that caring about her, about for Conan's well-being, even though that she doesn't understand why exactly she is uh you know kind of like basically saying that you know you know but at the same time then that i kind of like the fact that they are playing on that the whole like uh dynamic of like that their romance in a sense together so that that this was a very good scene Tamaki tells Kenan that she has a copy of the police report. I don't know why. I guess. Do they give copies of the police report to, uh, like, everybody? Like, Sounds hey, legit. Your, your brother died. Here's the whole police report. And but the thing that really threw me off was, like, even if you accepted that, she had information about, like, the cop murders that happened after that. So it, like, wasn't even directly related to her brother, and she still had the police reports. And they never go into how she got the police reports. But anyhow, somehow yeah, she, she is had She is a them. journalist, they, so... Oh, that she... they had said on my dub that she was a uh, investigator j- journalist or something like that, and then that she gave a little wink at Conan. Okay. <laughs> okay. So she winked at him. I mm-hmm. got it. Wink, wink. Uh, he excitedly makes plans to see them for the next day. Kind of runs off with a skateboard in the morning, which then allows Ron to get to the park. Gasa and the detective boys are also telling behind her. And Agasa tells the kids to be very careful. And then we see Makoto, like, <laughs> hilarious. He's like, he runs to a cab. He's like, follow that car. <laughs> and, he's and it's like, just... he's following Agasa's car. So, like, he had to know that Agasa was going to go after Ron. Otherwise, like, he'd be following the wrong car. Yeah, like, he's just completely incompetent. Like, <laughs> This guy was never going to be the murderer. That this guy couldn't even probably kill a wet paper bag. Let's just face it. Conan's at a cafe with Tamaki looking through the police report. And he finds the way Shiba held the memo pad odd as it would have been backward. Conan wonders if the murderer put it back into his hand. Conan then notices Tamaki lights her cigarette with her left hand. And she says that she used to be left-handed but learned to use her right as well. So she's ambidextrous. Kenan remembers the final moments of Narasawa and asks Tamaki if her brother worked at Kyoto University Medical Hospital. She confirms that, and then she abruptly says there's somewhere she has to go, and she gets in a taxi, and she tells the driver to go to Tropical Land. So this was kind of like their big push to make her uh, suspicious. I will say, uh, even though I believe all women, they did have me go like, huh, you know what, if I'm wrong... Maybe she is the killer. But it seemed like they were going a little too obvious here, so I was still relatively certain it was the uh, the good doctor there. But uh, where were you at, Colleen, at this point? Uh, yeah, my suspicion was sort of weakening. Um, 
like I, I didn't think that they were doing that thing where like they'll have the the culprit converse with Conan and be like oh yes this is how the case is supposed to go and then like there's the big twist and it ends up being them but they were like playing along with Conan the entire time I didn't think they were doing that so now I was like okay who else can it be like none of the other suspects that they presented to us made sense to me so like for a period of time until the real culprits revealed I'm just like I don't know who it is it's fun being on the ride, though. Like I, some of my favorite cases are just where I'm stumped and comes out of left field. Oh, absolutely! That's why it was so satisfying when they revealed him. I'm like, oh, I didn't see it coming. So, and I don't know. It just there is that sort of uh, it's kind of exhilarating when you're just like, oh, I didn't pick up any of the clues, and yeah, that surprised me. Like, what a twist! Meanwhile, we see Ron and the others at Tropical Land. Kegara tells her that the last time she was here, Shinichi investigated a roller coaster murder mystery. And, uh, like, she, he reminds her of this trauma of seeing this woman beheaded. And Sonic is like, let's ride the mystery coaster. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, sure. Let's see if uh, anyone else has a beam of light coming out from their neck. Jesus. So Ron sits in the front with Sonico and has flashbacks to Shinichi and she starts to blush. Agasa remembers that Kokoro is scared of heights, so we get a funny scene of him freaking out on the roller coaster. After the ride, Kogoro is clutching his heart and Sonico fetches Ron a cola. She puts it against her face and she remembers Kudo doing the same thing. And instead of drinking it, Ron puts it in her purse. And she's like, <laughs> I'll save this for later. I, I like to drink my sodas room temperature. I want I mean, to I heat up. I guess it's good that she did it. Uh, it. It seemed odd at the time, but for plot reasons, it was it made right. sense. Takagi then asks to use the bathroom, and he does like a comedic, like, I'm going to pee my pants. I'll pee my pants. My name's Takagi. I'm going to pee my pants. Wow. And, and Colleen's like, that's my man. <laughs> I'm gonna pee my pants. My name's Takagi. I'm peeing pee my pants. I'm peeing my pants. Yeah, I thought you were gonna do a bathroom bit with Mitsuhiko. Oh, Mitsuhiko, what you doing here? What you doing here in the bathroom? I, I'm gonna pee my pants, I am trying to check Mitsuhiko. for women's, women for mystery clues. <laughs> But Mitsuhiko, this the boys' bathroom. I'll go pee my pants. <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, we yes, have fun here. Uh, Takaki goes to the bathroom. A creepy mascot. Like, we saw him a few times before this, too. And uh, it's just this creepy mascot, like, handing these balloons to the children. I have so many questions about this once we find out who it is. Um... And then he just lets them all fly into the air. Yeah. <laughs> and he slowly walks up to Ron. And Mitsuhiko goes. He, Mitsuhiko exits the bathroom. Because he realized, oh, I was in that women's, I was in the boys' bathroom rather than the women's bathroom. I guess I'll go back. And that dope Takagi was in there, so I didn't want to be there any longer. Yeah, so he approaches Ron. And, he, and Mitsuhiko's like, watch out! And the uh, the mascot darts, and the kids chase after him. Mitsuhiko throws his boomerang, which completely misses and hits another <laughs> man's bag, which the mascot winds up tripping over. 
Genta then squirts the man with, I don't know if it was like a pepper spray, something red. It seemed to be like a pepper spray, and then Ayumi handcuffs the man's feet together. Um, it, you gotta say, like, the only person that, like, the detective boys sand, like, Conan, without Conan, would actually capture is somebody as much of a loser as Makoto. So when Koga <laughs> removed the mascot's head to reveal it was him, it was like, that checks out. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Makoto. Like, oh man, just how bad do you have to be at being stealth to, to get caught by, to just get caught by first graders? You have to be a really shitty person. <laughs> Guy. And how do you get this mascot costume? <laughs> That's what I'd like to know. Like, it didn't seem like he, you know, prepared this in advance with the amusement park. Like, oh, I got a job, you know, as a mascot at this theme park. No, he literally, like, probably went there for the first time. He's like, I don't know if he stole it from the actual mascot guy or... Uh, it yeah. is obviously that he did not, like, yeah, knock out know. the actual mascot guy. I probably would have knocked him out first. Yeah, for real. So they find a knife on Makoto, and Takagi returns and arrests him for murder. Good job, Takagi. The Ron protectors celebrate their victory, and uh, Kogura tells his daughter that she doesn't have to worry about being attacked anymore. And uh, cue her getting shot at like 60 times throughout the rest of the film. Good job, Kogura. Good job. Kogura thanks the kids, and Genta calls himself a famous detective now, too. And they decide to go see the parade and enjoy the rest of their day at the park. That was kind of cute, person. though, when uh, Kogoro, like, praised them, and they're just like, oh my gosh, a famous detective said we were good at something. It was kind of adorable. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was cute, but Hybera is like, I'm not sure if this is truly over. So, once again, Hybera, the only smart one, Colleen. Uh, well, she's also a lot older than them. <laughs> What about fucking? What about Takagi? He's celebrating. It's all over. <laughs> Takagi's doing his job. He arrested somebody. He's happy that he he didn't pee his pants, and he's like, "I didn't pee my pants." <laughs> Got the call you my. That's going to be a ringtone. Somebody's going to make that a ringtone. So <laughs> we then see Tashia at the park, and Tamaki is once again following him. These these two just need to make out or something, right? Yes, what, I, yeah. I was sensing some sexual tension between the two. Definitely. I mean, that Tamaki is kind of hot. She is. Uh, so Conan's at the hospital investigating, and he's asked by two nurses to get them a signature from Kogoro. They call Jino a nasty doctor that was stingy with money. They mentioned that one time during a patient that was having a heart attack, Jino accidentally cut Dr. Kazada's hand with the scalpel. Due to that, the patient died. Conan asks for more details, and we actually see Otagiri watching inside. What do you think about this, uh, us learning about Kazada being a heart surgeon and, you know, having that accident occur to where he could no longer do that, Colleen? Um, I mean, I'm always a sucker for a really deep backstory, so adding that in was super intriguing. It was also like, okay, so he went from heart surgeon to psychiatrist. Like, I don't know if he could make that jump as smoothly as they made it seem. So maybe it was like, you know, happened over the course of a few years or whatnot. But yeah, it's kind of... I think they said it was seven years ago. Seven, okay. 
All right. But I don't Anyways. think that checks out with Masato's age. So I'm not sure. Okay, okay. But yeah, in any case, like, um, it's, it's, I kind of, you know, if, if I feel bad for him because obviously that's his career. If that was like, let's say it was his dream thing to do to be a heart surgeon, save people, whatnot. So like your dreams ended because this jerk of a doctor did this to you. So again, not sure if that's a motive for murder necessarily. Um, that's a little bit questionable, but yeah, that's, it's kind of a sad backstory. Oh, sorry, Dinda. I do agree with that, Colleen. It is a quite the sad, sad, sad just backstory, and in that we just get all of all the all of all of the pieces to the puzzle, almost, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Conan figures out the case and calls back to Kegger's office, but he gets the voicemail. He then calls Aries' law office, and he gets her assistant. He says that Aries at Tropical Land with Ron. And he's like, oh, no, not this. <laughs> and uh, we then go back like, and to they were without and... me. Ron and Sonico are riding scary rides at night while Shady Man's following Ron with binoculars. Conan gets on his skateboard and rushes over to the park. Megary and the other officers interrogate Makoto, who says he received a phone call from a man that said he'd uh, tell, him who would kill... tell him who killed his father. The person says they'd meet Makoto at Baker City's main crossroad, but they never appeared and now Asawa was killed. Okay, so I love this. This this happens the first time. Makoto goes home, he gets another call, and he's like, come to this apartment building. And he goes there too. Like, <laughs> he's so stupid. And then Officer Shiba's killed, and Makoto's like, you know what? I think I'm getting framed. So then he stays at a business hotel, and then he checks his messages again, and he gets a call from someone sounding like Sato to meet her at Sun Plaza, or else he'd be murder, or else he would be arrested for murder. Otherwise, Makoto goes there, but the hotel was filled with police, so he immediately left. However, Sato was killed that day. Well, she wasn't killed, but uh, Megari asks why Makoto didn't come forward sooner, and he says he just couldn't trust the police at all. Uh, after all the trouble that his father caused, instead he wanted to get help from the great detective, Kogre Mori. And explains that he just wanted to talk to him at the park with this giant costume <laughs> on. And I don't believe that he had a, And that he just had a knife on for self-protection. Poor guy. So misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So he put on the mascot suit so that he can get close enough to then talk to Kogro, like, and he was just going to talk as this giant squirrel. Was that the yes. plan? That was the plan. Great, Makoto. Genius. I thought it, I thought it was a good plan. Ten out of ten plan, dude. <laughs> Makoto, you're the smartest. I, I agree. I agree. Megari and Mori realize that the murderer is still on the loose and that it might be a female. Conan then arrives at the park and begins to look for Ron. He notices that the parade has begun. Conan goes inside the ice labyrinth to the viewing area up top, and he's looking through the binoculars for her. He finds Genta and the other kids, and he's like, why aren't they watching Ron? He then finds her, and then he sees the killer. Conan calls out to the kids with their badges, and he's like, the killer's got a gun, and he's going to shoot Ron, and they all just drop their badges. <laughs> They're <laughs> such dorks. They're like... Because he specifically said, like, oh, you know, don't get too shocked. And then, of course, what do they do? They drop all their badges. 
He then asks them to get out of here and to make sure she's surrounded by lots of people so she's safe. The killer shoots at Ron, but Agasa, the man, he's able to push her away and he gets shot in the arm. We never get like an update on Agasa, but he's willing to take a bullet for Ron. How about that, Colleen? That's true love right there. Agasa is now the new male lead. He, he does more for her than Conan does, let's be real. Spencer, what what do you think about Gossa being the just the absolute G? He is a true homie. Hero. Nothing else to say. Just a true homie. Gossa the homie. So Conan then uses his skateboard to go down the penguin ride. He jumps off a little cliff and lands the skateboard on the roller coaster's tracks, and then he gets down to the ground. And then grabs Ron's arm and he says it's okay. However, the killer begins firing. And they run off, and they jump into this boat, and they speed off. I don't know why this place just has all these boats for people to drive, but apparently they do. Yeah, and they're loose. Like, they're not even attached to any, like, underwater, like, rail or anything. Like, I was like, okay. Yeah, it's hilarious. Ron's like, Conan, where did you learn to drive a boat? He says... (laughs) My father taught me in Hawaii. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. Is this the beginning of the running gag? Uh, what running gag? Oh, okay. Cause I think in, it was in like, movie at least two. in one other movie. It was in movie two whenever oh, he was flying two? the oh, helicopter. Okay. Then that, uh, about the whole gun, the helicopter. <laughs> that My dad taught me this up in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. So it comes up again in another one with, like, another movie with Kaido Kid where, uh, I think it's Shinichi, actually, that's flying the plane. Anyways, Conan Shinichi, whichever form he's in, and he uses this line again. So it's just like, okay, the filmmakers are just, you know, having a He did a lot in Hawaii, man. Yeah. I want to figure out what does Hawaii know that that the mainland states states doesn't. For real. So we then see the killer who gets in another boat, and he starts to fire his gun at him. One of them hits... Ron's purse and her cola starts to go everywhere. So her, this poor woman, she has amnesia, and now her, her her purse is soaked in cola. So it's all sticky. Too bad. Oh, the travesty. travesty. Karen takes a look at the this watch he pulls out of nowhere, and it says uh, 20 minutes until 9. They speed toward a waterfall, and Ron's like, there's a waterfall, and Karen's like, yep. And they jump off it into the bay, and the killer follows suit. They run to the top of this rocky area, and Conan tells her to hide behind the rocks. Conan says, at night, this location is closed, so nobody's there, and it's okay for the killer to reveal themselves, as he now knows what Officer Narasawa was trying to tell him that day. When he grabbed for his left breast pocket, he didn't mean to reach for his memo pad, but rather his heart. He meant the heart sergeant, uh, the heart. The heart surgeon, which is what Dr. Kazada used to be. Kazada walks out, and he's like, it's me. I'm the criminal here. I'm wacky. I'm wacky. I'm like, they even changed his hairstyle, because throughout the movie, he has sort of, like, a shiratory, like, curls. It's very put together, and then here, it's, like, very kind of windswept, so you immediately know, okay, he's turned into villain mode especially with the scouter he has on his head that's all i was looking at just like <laughs> he does have when a did you become a dbz villain dude 
It's over 9,000. <sighs> yeah, he did have a very Vegeta-esque-ness to him. And he's like, how'd you figure it out? And Cannon says he knew it was him after he saw him answer the phone. He says normally a right-handed person dials with his right hand, but you the opposite. Kazada was a famous heart surgeon until Dr. Gino Gino cut his wrist and ruined his career. Kazada then became a medical examiner instead, but he was miserable, and something happened between him and Gino. Kazada says Gino invited him over for drinks. They got into an argument, which was when Gino revealed that Kazada was making him look bad and that he cut him on purpose. He then decided to kill Gino and to make it look like a suicide. He later found out about the reinvestigation and decided to frame Makoto after learning he was angry at the police. He also used the voice of one of his female patients and edited it to make it seem like a woman was involved. Kazato then decided to lead the detectives down the wrong path by placing the memo pad in Shiba's hand. Kazato says Kona has no evidence on him and that there's no gunpowder no gunpowder found on him as well after killing Sato. Kona says he'll explain that. After Kazada is arrested and Ken and Ron go down a little slide uh, at the top to escape. So what do you think about all this, Colleen? Kazada, he's the killer here. Oh, like, again, I was uh, surprised. I did not anticipate it. Like, this was such a satisfying reveal to me because A, I didn't anticipate that it was him. And uh, B, um, it was someone outside of the suspect list that we were given. I, like even outside of like because at one point they're like oh and all the police force is also a suspect or whatever they said so it was just kind of cool that it was like somebody totally outside and like if you weren't as observant as perhaps the two of you were if you were like me you're just watching this uh and uh yeah so it, it was a nice twist i think it was a, a good uh good surprise they run up to an employee area, and Kazato catches up with them. Kenan looks at the time again and tells Kazato that killing Ron won't get rid of all the evidence against him. Kenan says that after he killed uh, the power, Kazato put on his operating gloves and grabbed the umbrella. He stuck his pistol through the hole that he cut in it, and then fired the gun through it so that no powder got on him. He then flushed his gloves down the toilet. Kazato says he's right, so he'll have to kill Conan as well. I like how, like, even when this guy that's murdered multiple cops and then, like, he has a gun out for you, Conan just can't help himself. He has to fucking, like, let me tell you how I figured everything out. And it's like, this is so unnecessary. I mean, I think that it just shows that Conan's just, you know, you know, that he's always, it still kind of shows that cocky side of Shinichi, sh- sh- Shinichi that we are all just known to, like, Kinda, you just gotta like re, you gotta like respect this karma for basically being like, like that the size of a first grader and just, you know, facing out with a man with a gun and just telling them like that, I have figured out all your plan and I'm gonna put you away. Ha ha. And then it's just like, wow, mad respect, mad respect. Gazade approaches with a gun and Ron asks Conan why he's protecting her. And Conan says, because I love you. I love you so much. More than anyone in the world. Aww. <laughs> and then jump into the volcano ride. And I'm like, oh no, they're in the lava. Um, but it's just water. <laughs> you were so, so disappointed. 
They reemerge and they manage to dodge the gunfire. Ron calls Conan her savior. Conan takes Ron to the fountain, same place where Shinichi took Ron a long time ago. Kazada finds him there and he starts shooting at Conan and one of the bullets grazes his arm. Conan says that if Kazada kills Ron now, then Makoto's testimony will go against him. He says it doesn't matter and he says, ladies first. So he goes to, he, he goes to shoot Ron and Conan just goes, uh, ten, <laughs> nine, eight. It's like, why aren't you shooting her? You just said ladies first. And he's like, six, five. Four. It's like, dude, you could have shot her here. What are you doing? And he's three, two, and he's like, this is uh, some weird last words. One, and uh, that's when uh, the fountain finally goes up in the air. Ron breaks free of her amnesia. All her memories come flowing back. We get multiple flashbacks. We see her witnessing Kazato's face in the fountain. Uh, Kind of actually does something kind of neat. He throws the can like up in the air, the cola can, and uh, Kazada shoots at it, and that's how Conan gets like the uh, the location of where Kazada is from where the bullet was coming from. Kazada's so now he knows where dumb, he is. Though. Like like you pointed out, like why didn't wasn't he shooting while Conan was counting down and then once the fountain was on because I was like oh well bullets can't go through water so I'm just gonna wait yeah it's really stupid it's a tropey villain stuff possibly just thinking that thinking that he has warned so that they gotta do that their villain delay like come on I'm giving you a chance hero do something okay yeah Yeah. so the the fountain lowers and Conan's able to kick a cocoa cola can right in Kazada's face, knocking him out. However, he's only knocked out for about 10 seconds as he wakes up, and he's about to stab Conan, which is Ron gets to show her karate skills. She looks like such a badass here. She's punching him in the gut, and she breaks his blade with her kick, and he's like, what the hell? <laughs> and she just totally kicks this guy's ass and knocks him out for good here. Yeah, then that, especially the part that whenever then that she said then that I am a world class karate champion. And then that he, and then that, and then that his face just screamed just like, "Oh shit, I fucked up." Yeah, <laughs> and she he just yeah, she I was just so, ran his fade so badly. I was so glad after a movie of like Ron, you know, being protected the entire time that she just got the show out. She got the final beating here, you know. And it's fitting that, you know, in a, a film just about this guy trying to protect her, that ultimately she can protect herself. And it was so nice just seeing her whoop ass here. I thought it was oh, yeah. great. Yeah, Ron was back. Everybody then appears and Kazada is taken into custody. Ron celebrates with a bawling Sonico. Ginta says it wasn't fair that Conan caught the killer by himself. So he apologizes Tamaki then appears and says she was watching her rival Toshia perform. I imagine that means they were like making out in like the love ride or something. Yeah, Tamaki's literally like, I was just waiting for something to happen. I guess I missed it all. I'm like, dude, if you weren't so obsessed with Toshia, then maybe you could actually solve this case the way you wanted to. Ari then says Kegura said he'd risk his right his life for Ron, but only Conan and Agasa did that. And Kegura says it's good everybody's safe! 
Oh, Kogro. News then comes in that Sato survived the surgery and will be making a full recovery, which causes the entire male police force to celebrate, including Takagi and everybody else. This is funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> like they actually like you know go off and show us all the police officers in like a different location in their like headquarters building, and they're all cheering. So Sato has some fans. Megari tells Itagiri that they've solved the crime finally, but he says he still wants his son's role in the crime investigated. Itagiri asks who Conan is, and he says, Need not to know. (laughs) Just the cheesiest. And he's like, I'm just an elementary school kid. (laughs) And Itagiri salutes him. And that's how he gets to the credits. Oh my. Uh, let's get through and there's like a Indies. freeze frame of uh, Odegiri just walking away, like you know. Yeah, <laughs> such a cheesy yeah. ending, but I, I thought it was a good ending. And then uh, after the credits, we get the ending. After the ending song wraps up, uh, Ron tells Kenan, "Thank you for saying that line, as it was meant to help her remember everything." And he's like, "What?" <laughs> and <laughs> she says, "It was the line of." dad told her mom was i love you so much more than anyone on this world and then karen's like oh my god i used the same pickup line as that <laughs> stupid old guy so cute cute way to end the movie uh i thought this film was excellent i mean uh i didn't remember a ton about it i kind of remembered that there was an amnesia uh storyline in one of the movies with ron but like other than that uh, it was it was very much a fresh watch for me. Um, I thought it was fun with the you know the killer being a member of the police force and like kind of coming out of left field and not the usual like uh, oh it's got to be this guy. Um, so that was fun. I thought the whole case was cool. There was a lot of drama with the police being involved. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a really good episode. I thought everybody had like their moments to shine. Agasa looked cool. You know, we had a nice wide range of characters. Highbearer had her moments. The detective boys had, you know, some good comedy as the Ron protectors. They had their moments. You know, Aerie, I was surprised at how much Aerie was involved. And I loved their little scenes of her being back at the house and interacting with her husband. You know, there's just so many good scenes in this movie. I thought it was a a fantastic film. Colleen, what do you think uh, overall? Oh, I completely agree. I really like this movie. The plot was simple, but it was executed so well. Um, like the darker tones to it with the backstories and even like some of the music that they chose to use in some of the scenes. I was like, oh, this gives it a very kind of mature flair. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like all of the uh, the way that the characters were integrated seemed purposeful, like the detective boys protecting Ron and Agasa uh, being there as well. And he like even protected her like from a bullet. And um, yeah, the uh, there was, you know, nice additions of comedy with, with Makoto being totally incompetent. And like you're thinking, OK, how could this guy even possibly be? the culprit uh obviously like takagi's parts were funny too like some of the other police officers um yeah and conan had i really enjoyed the uh skateboarding sequence that he had with the roller coaster like totally like okay like as if that would happen but it was super entertaining so yeah this is like 
one of the top films so far. I mean, we've only done four of them, and they've all been very good. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this one a lot. Yeah, I think this is stronger than the the last one for sure. I think this is probably my favorite so far. Spencer, uh, what's your thoughts on the that film? All now that all of my bias aside, Tyler, Tyler, just uh, basically that as that mentioned that this is my favorite uh, Detective Conan movie, and in that. Fun fact for your for that the trivia that this was the first movie that I have ever seen of the series, but that the movie was excellent. It still just lives up to just where it was. I uh, just I think that the mystery was solid, solid, especially especially that the writers are throwing off that the audience and the basically thinking that it's somebody on that the inside when just in fact that just as you mentioned, Tyler. It was basically that, you know, that Kai Zato, that the psychiatrist, that who was basically that the culprit, that the, that, you know, that the great dynamic about basically Ron and then that the Ron closeness to Conan slash Shinichi was just all well played off, very dynamic overall, that, that, you know, that, that, that this is a top three for sure. Yeah, really good. We got some feedback on Twitter on the film uh, from XXMapCRXX. They said, I used to be a lot harsher on this film due to the amnesia plot, but actually executed fairly well compared to other amnesia plots. And they say it's a really good film. And uh, they they called this a fun fact. I thought it was kind of a sad fact. Uh, But the main villain's voice actor was Inoue Kazahito. Who went on to voice Shira Tori after the original voice actor passed away in an accident oh, in 2000. Wow. So uh, apparently this, I don't know if we see Shira Tori anymore in the in the uh, anime, uh, like for the rest of because we're already in 2000. Um, so this might have been this is definitely the last film with Shira Tori here, but uh, yeah. So they they switch the voice actors and the the villain here winds up uh, playing Shira Tori. That okay. I'm gonna just like side note. Um, so when the doctor shows up first on screen, like he's following Shertori and Shertori is about to introduce him because their hairstyles. Are I so thought it was similar. his brother. Okay, you thought saying? brother. Saying, well, I yeah. thought either. I thought it was the. Br- I thought it was the groom. You know, <laughs> brother would have been good, but my first thought was like, oh look, it's the Shertori fan club because he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> so like. The fact that there's, like, this voice acting, you know, sad fact, fun fact, whatever you want to call it, like, oh my gosh, that just, like, that that's kind of cool for me. Right. Very, yeah, very cool that his voice actor died in an accident in 2000. Oh, calling sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. You always do this, this to me. This is really cool. It's really cool that he died. Jeez, you know I didn't God. mean it like that. I know. So yeah, and then uh, yeah, really good film. I was pleasantly surprised. We explained everything: the dinosaurs, the volcanoes, uh, a lot going on here. The they explained the, the, the were there dragons chief. too? Like we were talking about the dragons last week, didn't we? I think there yeah, were we saw there. we saw it one second. It was like when the kids were doing a ride, and we saw yeah. like a fire breathing dragon. Yeah, so it all made. I sense. also want to point out this one really funny sequence uh in our sub where agasa is talking to ron mm-hmm. and he's, uh, he's like do you remember me 
I'm the genius professor, but the sub misspells genius and professor. <laughs> and I don't think it's all like purpose to make it look stupid, but he spells genius like genius. And then professor has an extra F. So, so it's just real funny. I'm the genius professor. <laughs> you remember me, Ron? <laughs> but yeah. I just wanted to point it out because that perfect. made me laugh a lot <laughs> when I saw it. I was like, oh, Gasa, you're so sweet. And then he gets shot later. And I'm like, oh, who would shoot a genius professor? Who would shoot it? Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Um, I also want to give thanks to our patrons. Pa- patrons. Our patrons. Well, you know, you're a genius uh, professor. Yeah, our genius professors, medium sized Jeffrey, Ryan's self. Oh yeah, shout out to Jeffrey last night. Um, so you probably didn't even notice, Colleen, but I uploaded the wrong. Um, so I edited the episode last night, the new podcast, put it live. I'm like, ah, good, I can relax. And then Jeffrey is like, Hey, uh, I only hear Colleen here. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be her talking to herself the whole time. And I'm like, oh my god, what did I do? And I deleted, like, I didn't, like, save my podcast files. And I thought maybe I had, like, somehow exported it to where, like, um, I had muted myself before exporting it. And, like, I was just not there. But what actually happened, I had put the rough, unedited Colleen voice track up as the podcast because I, I named it similar to what uh, mine was and I was like oh my god but then I figured out I already had my edited so it got switched up within an hour so a few people have the limited rare edition of <laughs> Colleen talking to herself for an hour so enjoy that I guess people are like this is um, crap what, what did you what did you guys do no wonder they yeah. Jeffrey was complaining <laughs> So that was uh, that was embarrassing, but thanks thanks to Jeffrey for getting that fixed up quickly. So I took the episode down and then re-upped it properly. Uh, shout out to Ryan Self, he was on the show recently. Shout out William Lee, Big Chief Mason, Colleen. Are we missing anybody? Mm, no, I think that's about it. <laughs> Cynthia, no. Um, Stephen Spencer, Spencer. <laughs> hey, hey, how's it going? Thank you. Ninja Spence. Thank uh-huh. you. Yeah, thank you for uh, supporting the podcast, for coming on the show, being our movie guru, yeah. if you will. Yeah, movie guru and such. And then that, it just, it's always just fun just talking to these guys. Hey, other patrons, take advantage of it, it that you are in for a laugh all the time. Who knows that maybe that, maybe that, you know, that I could be on it as well. Who knows? <laughs> Spencer, you Always said you got a podcast oh, yes, going. Yes. We know we can follow mm-hmm. you on Twitter at NinjaSpence21. Tell us okay, a bit about then. your podcast okay, and then. where else people can okay, find then, you. The podcast is called The Entity Killer Tales, that where that we are doing a live playthrough using using a tabletop system known as Monster of the Week. So if you are basically a big fan of like mysteries, the supernatural. And also a lot of comedy, a lot of improv, a lot of my voice acting and such. And then that we are just all at a good time that you can give us a follow, follow at, at, uh, entity killer tales 
pod.podbean.com. So there we go. Give Spencer a follow if you wish. We thank you for coming on as always. We, we always got a spot open for you for the movies and any other time. It's, it's always fun talking now, right? to you. It is tradition. Yes. It is tradition. So Absolutely. Good times. Lots of fun here. And uh, next week, we'll be uh, chilling down a little bit. We have an anime original, episode 187. The unknown gunshot that rings in the dark. I remember nothing about this case, so <laughs> who knows if this will be good How or bad. could you forget, Tyler? This is a classic. But we kind of need something to come down from the movie, and then we'll start with the uh, the very exciting... Uh, uh, what's the... What's Desperate the, uh, Revival. The Desperate Revival, yeah. The very so, exciting thing. Like, one of the most, the best arcs in canon, so uh-huh. super excited about that. But first, we'll have the unknown gunshot that rings in the dark. Don't miss it. Yeah. Don't, don't miss, miss next week's episode. Don't miss it. Uh, and I do want to give a plug to the Patreon. Three episodes each month. We cover, uh, it's patreon.com slash case reopen, no underscore. And... We cover Yaiba, uh, the case closed dub, which is really cool. And, uh, you know, we're going to do every dub episode and then all the dub movies at some point. So lots of lots of fun stuff there. And then uh, we also do Magic Kaito, everybody's favorite Phantom Thief. So fun stuff there. We just covered some fun uh, Kaito cases like a week ago, Colleen. It was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah? It's always fun. Always fun. And it, trust me, if you aren't watching Yaiba, you're missing some of the wildest, <laughs> dumbest thing possible. That's the series that uh, Gesho Oyama did before uh, he did Conan, and it is just ridiculous. Sea cucumbers. I'm missing out on Bat Guy. Bat Guy, yeah. Not Batman, Bat Guy. Although there is a Spider-Man. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, uh, so yeah, lots of fun stuff. So we thank you all for listening. We thank you all for tuning in and I will see you again next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks everyone. Bye. And remember one truth always prevails. <laughs>